and welcome back to the Sweet Tea Series. I'm your host, Taylor Dawson, and I am joined by Nikki Presley. Nikki, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Every time I say your name, the song pops in my head. Oh, Nikki, you're so fun. Oh, you're my so gosh. Fun. <laughs> That's so funny because when I was a kid, people would always sing it to me. Was <laughs> it, is it like triggering for you now? No, it's just funny. It brings back like... <laughs> childhood memories that I don't think about. <laughs> well, um, now that you're in the right frame of reference to talk about what you do here at the foundation. Yes, I am the Texas State Director for Right on Crime and Chief of Staff for Right on Crime. So I kind of handle our Texas portfolio and then also do a lot of like strategy and admin stuff for all of our other state directors as well. Um, I've been here like four and a half years and it took me a while to get to this Crazy. point. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And you're so young for being here for four years. Like it's hard. It's hard to believe. Um, okay. How did you get involved in policy? I think that's the question that, especially because you are so young, it's like, how did you get here? Did you like major in political science? Like, did you have this goal of like, oh, I saw this show and now I'm going to end up in Washington DC as a lawyer one day. Uh, uh not at all. <laughs> I seriously did not know what I wanted to do with my life. I started college thinking I was going to be a teacher. And then my freshman year, I had to take like, it's called like teaching math or like math for educators where you have to like learn how to teach math. And I had to volunteer at an after school tutoring program. And I did that. And I was like, no, I cannot manage a classroom. <laughs> I cannot be in a room with 20 kids all day, every day. Um, so I was immediately like, okay, teaching's not for me. I changed my major to human development and family science just because it interests me. Like, I had no idea what I was going to do with yeah. it. I was just like, yeah, it feels right, and I'll figure it out along the way. So then I thought I was going to do child life, be a child life specialist. That's right. We've yeah. talked about this a lot because mm -hmm. I – wanted to be like I went to school for, to be a teacher and then I thought I wanted to be a child life specialist so wait can you talk about what that is because I feel like people need to know what this is yes it's essentially someone who works in a hospital in a children's hospital or also with adults who are undergoing surgeries or end-of-life care and stuff mm -hmm. like that but um, it's someone who kind of explains to a child at their developmental level what's going on or if they're gonna get a procedure you know they'll use dolls and mm -hmm. show them on the doll and it just makes them a little bit more comfortable it's like a social worker inside a hospital yeah so I took that class and I once again was like I will get so burnt out like this would just kill me yeah. after a few years so I finally took a family policy family law and policy class and I was like okay this is what I want to do. Nice. Um, so then I decided to pursue the master's program that my school had, which was like a four-year plus one year, like a four plus one So program. like you're there for five years and you leave with the master's? Yes. Yeah. So I decided to do that. And so my master's is a master of science in educational psychology, but my focus was family policy. And I graduated... At 21 and I see people when I say she's young like legitimately like it's honestly kind of weird to talk about because I never used to talk about my age but now that I'm a little bit older I, I feel a little more comfortable talking about it but I graduated when I was 21 and I needed with a master's no 22 with a master's but 21 undergrad okay. Okay, okay, okay and um I needed a internship for grad school so I quite literally googled <laughs> I was like family policy Texas. That's, yeah. Like, and so I came across TBPF and I knew nothing. Like I 
did not like history growing up, was not into political science. My only C I've ever made was in history. So I was not meant to be <laughs> in this industry, if you look at my history. But um, I just, like, really resonated with what TPPF was doing mm-hmm. on the child welfare side because I think I have a little bit more of a conservative approach, like a family-centered approach to child welfare. Mm-hmm. And it really resonated with me. So I begged for an internship and I interned and then I begged for a job. Um, shout out to Andrew Brown. Um, he Good job, Andrew. Yes. He definitely advocated for me. And so I was hired. I started here when I was 21 and just kind of worked my worked my way through child welfare and then juvenile justice and criminal justice. And now I'm here, which I never thought I would be doing criminal justice. But <laughs> amazing. Well, like. So many parallels. I I think it's so fun hearing stories like yours because it's similar to mine in the sense that, you know, you never thought you'd end up in policy. And just because you just keep exploring, you keep learning about different things and Mm. you realize like I think there's something like a tie with like I think a lot of people in policy are just in the nonprofit sector in general is that we all want to make a difference. We want to solve problems, but we want to solve problems on a very large scale. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because when you get into this field, you see how nuanced everything is. Yes. And you see how hard it is to change things. Mm-hmm. And I know comms, <laughs> they, <laughs> I know I drive them crazy because they'll, <laughs> they'll be trying to tweet something and I'm like, but you got to say it. Like there's like all these stipulations yeah. and it's like, they're like, we just need a sound bite. <laughs> there's like, there's like this like delicate dance with like comms yeah. and policy of like, okay, we have to sound like a human, uh-huh. but we have to be a smart human, but yes. we can't sound too technical because then we'll lose the audience. And mm-hmm. like, it's this constant like back forth, back forth. Yeah. But I like what you said about, I think everyone in this space definitely wants to help people. And that's mm-hmm. what, I mean, just all through college, I was like, I know I want to help like families. I know I want to help people. I just don't know how I'm going to do that. And so I kind of just went with, you know, the doors that were opening, trusted God. I still am doing that. I mean, somebody asked me my, where I see myself in five years. I was like, I don't know, continuing, (laughs) continuing to push myself and challenge myself and learn and pray on it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that's really cool how you can look back and for anyone, like even me, it's like you look back and you slowly see this cord that tied all of these things together. Yeah. Like as I was hearing you say, like teacher to child life specialist to like health and family and then like le- what was it? Family, policy. Family policy. Law and policy. Like, yeah. Okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure I heard law in there, but I don't mess that up. <laughs> yeah. And you just see this like little tie that's there. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone in like college or people who are maybe like in a life transition state, it just sounds like a really common theme with a lot of our guests is that they just kept learning about their interests and eventually developed into a really cool career set. Yes, for sure. And I think I'm still doing that. Yeah. Especially with my new role as chief of staff, you know, I I basically told my boss, Brett, I was like, you know, I actually really like doing administrative stuff. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we should, you know, use one of my strengths and like expand my role. And um, I think it's worked out pretty well, I've provided a little bit more organization, but yeah. I definitely am still learning. Yeah. I, I like that. Well, one, I think, big benefit being here at the foundation is that they do kind of let you grow into your own. It's Mm -hmm. not like they have prescribed 
job sets where it's like yeah. you feel this and you only do this and this is your trajectory up i love that they like help us explore our talents and i'm like why do more organizations not do that it just makes so much sense for like the efficiency i agree and i think during legislative session especially it is so apparent to me every single session how everyone is in such a correct role for their strengths Mm -hmm. like it's like everyone's at the top of their game and it's just we are a well-oiled machine and I always just look around and I'm like I am around so many talented people who are just yeah thriving yeah it inspires me yeah and it's like TPPF is one of those places where it's like it's kind of hard like once you get here for me it's like hard to envision leaving because you can kind of like make what you want out of it oh yeah and use your strengths and it's very fulfilling to do that (laughs) and like you were such a prime example of that yeah I just am you know, super grateful for all of the people who believed in me along the way because I had no experience in this. You know, I just really wanted to learn. I was like very eager. Um, I think that that's actually some advice that I would give Heck yeah. to um, younger people, younger women especially. But if I think that if you are just willing to learn and listen and just really dive into it and work as hard as you can that counts for so much more than like maybe your degree or your experience I could not agree with you more I think for me my desire to learn and to just be all in is what got me like 90% where I am today Mm -hmm. of just like I'm willing to work yeah. And I want and I want to learn about this. Yeah. And it's like been this ping pong everywhere. But it's like you you develop into a very well-rounded person when you're that way. So mm-hmm. absolutely. People need to be self-starters and lifelong learners, which leads me to a family. <laughs> Do you like these transitions? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, I love it. <laughs> into our pop culture with principles. Um, <laughs> there's this one family out there and they are just. So innovative and they have become like industry leaders Hmm. and it's on a TV show that starts with a K. Do you know what this could be? Not my Kardashian babies. Yeah, keeping (laughs) up with the Kardashians. So you and I bonded over the fact that it's like our little secret that's like we secretly just like love to watch keeping up with the Kardashians slash now the Kardashians. Yes. The Kardashians on Hulu. Oh, oh, yes. That's right. They did a whole, like, Hulu premiere. How could it not be? That is, like, their brand is being on brand. Yes. Oh, actually, that's such a good point. That is literally their brand. (laughs) Why do you think it is that we're so drawn into TV shows like this? Well, I think it's multiple reasons for me. I think it's a great way for me to kind of turn my brain off and just watch people kind of have fun. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just entertainment. Mm -hmm. But also I find it fascinating Mm -hmm. because it's such a different reality than I think 99% of people live in. Yeah. So I I love to see like Kendall Jenner try to cut a cucumber. (laughs) That is like, I don't know why out of all, like my sister brought that up the other day when I was cooking for Thanksgiving. She was like, she's like, do you know how to cook it? Like cut a cucumber? And I was like, what kind of question is that? She's like, you know, are you going to do it the, um... Wow, what's her name? Kendall. The Kendall way. I almost said Kylie. The Kendall way. And I was like, is that a thing? Like, I remember that episode. Is that a thing? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, poor girl. (laughs) 
<laughs> when her mom was like, I'll just get the private chef to go cook, cut it for you. And she goes, Mom, I can cut my own cucumber. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ooh, she can cut her own cucumber. Yeah. Cool it, Mom. <laughs> Literally. Oh, I had a question for you about the Kardashians. Oh. Sorry. I'm t- the tables have turned, Taylor. <laughs> um, if you had to, like, you got to go to dinner, okay? Mm-hmm. And you had to choose two of the Kardashian Jenners or their spouses, if you would like. Who would they be and why? Oh, man. Does Kanye count as a, as a partner? Sure, he can count, yeah. I mean, he was a, a character in the show, so. Or, well, sort of. <laughs> I, oh, man, what a good question. Oh, I want to meet all of them individually and just be like, why? Yeah. How? How? Tell me more. Like, that's all I would say during the whole dinner and just hope that they talk. I feel like I definitely want to talk to Kim and I would want to talk to... Courtney. Oh, why? What would you like? What would you want to ask her? Be like, Courtney, how? Why? But like specifically, like she's just had like this total flip of like super destructive relationship to she's finding herself. Mm-hmm. She gets very healthy. I think she had a little Jesus moment, and then she got married to what's his name, Travis. From, yeah. And just I'm like, like really exposing myself for how much I watch. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Travis, yeah. <laughs> we go way back. That like her whole story is just like, whoa, sister, like what is going on here? Mm-hmm. It was just like almost like she's coming back full circle, except she's in love this time. Like she actually is really inspiring as well because she did that whenever she wasn't 25, 30. She, yeah. You know, she was she's in her 40s yeah. and she completely kind of changed she revamped herself it's like she found a new interest which is Mm -hmm. something we always talk about here on on the show it's like no matter what stage of life you're in Mm -hmm. she like got really into health and holistic things and so it's like she started have you tried her little matcha gummies i haven't but i keep seeing them everywhere have you tried them no but i want to (laughs) i want to yeah i keep seeing what is it lemmy yeah is that what the brand is lemmy yeah it's cute it's a cute brand yeah speaking it so i would and then and then kim because Mm -hmm. I mean, she's just like, I feel like she's the main character in the show. Totally. It really is Kim. Totally. All day Kim. And she's had such a transition. We're not going to, we're not going to talk about how she started. And you know what? <laughs> she played that to the best of her abilities. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to describe that. Yes. To where she is now. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I have some questions for you. Okay. Which Kardashian do you identify with most and why? Oh gosh, I think Chloe. Oh, mm-hmm. why? I think Chloe is just trying to like have fun, make the most of things. Mm-hmm. She can always find kind of like the good in any situation. Um, such a good mom too. Like I would, if I was a mom ever, maybe one day, <laughs> I would love to be as involved as she is, even though she's running all these businesses. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I think Chloe. Maybe because I like her sense of humor and I think maybe we have similar senses of humor as well. Nice. Yeah. She's become like one of my favorites though. It's like she's mm-hmm. had like such a chance. Like she's again coming to her own and that's gotta be so hard doing that on a TV show. Yeah. I know I just love to watch it because it's like they're in their like mega mansions and their mm-hmm. problems are like, we're not gonna make the Versace show on time. And I'm like, oh, man, you can get there on that private jet. Yes. You find another pilot who's not sick. You can get there. And it's just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and I'm not trying to like discount their struggles because it, you know, they definitely have gone through the ringer with yeah. their personal family drama. 
but and just public scrutiny in general i mean you know but it's nice to see how like it's a show where it's like there's still a family and it all really comes back to family and i'm i'm honestly kind of taken aback of how they pray a bunch on the show now yeah they really do um which i think has always kind of been an underlying theme Mm -hmm. with that family is that they've always you know really trusted in god and prayed but they've never been super open about it yeah in in like the early seasons yeah and now i think that they've definitely been more open and showcasing that a little bit more yeah do you think can you name what each girl what each company the girl has started oh gosh let's do okay courtney courtney lemmy Mm -hmm. well and then well she has like the website what's it called oh yeah push push (laughs) push um and then kim has skims Mm mm-hmm Chloe has Good American. Yes. Um, Kylie has Kylie Cosmetics. Kendall has 818 Tequila. Um, Rob has some sort of like socks, I think. Oh, that's right. Oh, poor <laughs> Rob. I always forget about him. You know what? Um, I just watched a clip of Kendall Jenner doing like, what's that? It's like a game where it's like you tell the truth or you eat something gross. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, she was doing that and they were like, name best to worst parent out of your family and she said rob was the best parent out of her whole family so i think he's probably thriving he just doesn't want to be in the spotlight yeah Yeah. i I like that Mm -hmm. um so skims opened up their first shop here in austin like the first one in the world it's at the domain oh i never go up there. i went in yesterday last night because i just had to see it um they have all like the basics up there and it was interesting to, like, feel the quality of things because some things I was like, okay, why is this $60? It feels like it's, like, 20 But other things uh-huh. I was like, hmm, this looks like it Can could be. Can you try stuff on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I need But to it's, go. like, there's – it's a small shop and there's, like, mirrors everywhere. So, like, it feels super big and you walk in and it's, like, probably 10 racks of, like – the all the basics that she okay. sells but they're really big on saying like this is the first store first skim store in i wonder the world. why she chose austin i know i i was trying to look into it i i don't know but i'm like love that she picked texas i love that yeah i mean there's got to be a reason you and know especially austin like you would think if it was in texas it'd be like dallas or something right yeah but it was austin but i guess a lot of people are transplants here so maybe, maybe a lot of people from california yeah but they have um even on like the bags, it says like Austin, Texas. And I'm like, really? I want to get something just so I can have a bag from Skims. It okay, says Austin, Texas. Go. You have to go. I have to yeah. go. All right. We is can it do... just a pop up or is it permanent? It's a pop up. They're like beta okay. testing everything. And the guy there, like you could tell they were like from Los Angeles, like the main store, because I was asking questions and they were like very like straight up. I was like, so if I get something for my sister, can I, can she like return or exchange it like online? And they were like, no, we're still trying to beta test all of that. You know, mm. this is basically just like if you want to test out like some of the base wear, you yeah. know, try it out and we'll okay. we'll help you out. So they're just like really honest about it. But it was cool. Yeah. Very like Kim-esque. Very skims. It feels it feels very on brand. Okay. But um, yeah, it's not like you'll, you'll see. There's like curtains hanging down and everything's like a nude color, like, you know, skims. And so yeah. it's an interesting feel. It's I a think whole that it, experience. Yeah. But it's not, I think if they create an actual store, it'll be very much zhuzhed up. Like right now, it's like very basic. But yeah, you should definitely check it out. So speaking of Kim, she got her law degree, right? I think she's still in the process. But she passed the bar. She passed the baby bar. The baby bar. Which California does it 
I think, differently than Texas because she's actually not even going to law school. Right. She's doing more of like a, um, not an internship, what do you call it? A, uh, like apprenticeship? Yes, an apprenticeship. Yeah. And I think it's like five years instead of three, I want to say. So she has to take multiple tests throughout. Um, but yeah, she is determined, I think. Yeah, it's, again, cool. She's just another girl out there exploring her interest, and it led her to a place where she wants to make change. And I think mm -hmm. that's really cool. So one of her big cases was with Alice Johnson. Can you mm -hmm. remind me what that case was about? Yeah, so Alice Marie Johnson, um, she was sent to federal prison um, on basically like a nonviolent drug trafficking type scheme where she was not even the main person but kind of got tagged as the main person yeah. and um so she was sentenced to i believe mandatory 25 years minimum no parole and then a life sentence so that would be you know the rest of her life on parole essentially um oh my and gosh. but this is just for like selling drugs yeah and i don't even think she i think she just like transported them from one person to another oh and so i don't know like every detail but it was something like that. So it was a nonviolent offense. Um, and she served 21 years in prison until um, Donald Trump commuted her sentence and she was released. And Kim Kardashian had a large part in that. Um, and actually, Brett Tolman, my boss, he's actually met her and said that she was awesome. Kim or Kim. Alice? Kim. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh my God, sorry. But. <laughs> I kicked For her. all those just listening, yeah. she uh, she just kicked me in the shit. I kicked her. My bad. Um, but yeah, so Alice Marie Johnson, she was actually a senior fellow for Right on Crime for a little while, I think maybe a year or so. Yeah, so Alice Johnson worked with TPPF mm -hmm. as a senior fellow, which I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. I think she spoke at um, Now Texas Policy Summit yes. a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the annual um, policy summit that we host here in Austin. Mm -hmm. Yes. So she worked with us, got out. The whole like bail situation, right? Where it's like she had she served years and years and years and years and years. Did you know anything about like her bail situation? Well, so this would be like past bail. Like this was like sentence. Got it. Post bail. This um, is why I don't work in criminal justice. <laughs> yeah, so reform. Taylor's bringing up bail because I've been working on this for what feels like forever yes. in Texas. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically in Texas, bail, we're trying to make bail based on someone's risk mm -hmm. rather than just ability to pay. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been working on that for a few years. Um, there was actually a really... I guess, relevant case um, recently in Austin, a young woman was driving home from work. She got into like some sort of minor accident and um, the man got out and shot and killed her. And like road rage, yes, just like, like a road rage incident. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And he had uh, he fled the scene. Eventually, um, the fugitive task force in Texas found him. Um, but his bail was set at 250,000 whenever he was arrested mm -hmm. which if he was an affluent person he would only have to pay 25,000 to a bondsman in order to be released after just you know murdering a woman in cold blood for literally no reason so you don't have to pay the full bail to get out no so with a bondsman 
you only have to pay like 10%. And actually, there's been cases like in Harris County and Houston and stuff where they're not even charging the full 10%. And the bondsmen basically have no real accountability when it comes to it because if the bondsman releases someone and they get that 25k let's say they get to keep that 25k if that person goes and reoffends then they get rearrested that initial bond is just null and void what so they never have to like pay up the full bond again that doesn't seem like a good incentivization structure no <laughs> hmm. does not <laughs> um which if anybody's interested Hit me up and I'll give you some of my ideas on how we can fix that. But Love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he is still detained, thankfully. But the crazy thing is, is that if he was an affluent person, he could just pay the bond and be released again, even though he's clearly a danger to society. Yeah, he shot and killed a woman. Yes. A and he's stranger. already he already had like, I think, a warrant out for not complying with his sex offender registry. Oh, my gosh. He's a sex offender, too. Yeah, so he already had a history, and um, the problem with this is that a judge cannot actually deny someone bail in Texas unless it's, like, capital murder, essentially, and a couple other stipulations that are kind of complicated. But and sorry, capital murder, it, or... That would be murder of, like, a law enforcement officer or, you know, someone who's, like, a state official or, like, a child, a young child. Okay. Um, so the judge cannot deny bail. It's not constitutional in Texas. So they just have to kind of guess how high is high enough for that person to not make bond. And what do they base the bail on? Like salary, like the person's like wealth or? So they're they're supposed to base it on someone's risk, like someone's criminal history. They get a, previously they were never required to look at cr criminal history until after our 2021 session. But Wait, now, so so previously, they would just get a criminal. They wouldn't look at like past stuff. They just assess the current situation. And be like, here's the bail. Yeah. So I mean, they weren't required to. I think most magistrates and judges probably were, but they were not required to. Which means, you know, maybe some people weren't. <laughs> yeah. Um. So now that they're required to, they're supposed to consider all of that and um kind of base it on what they think is going to be okay for public safety and also enough for them to appear in court. That's how they do it now? Yes. So this guy that you're referring to who shot and killed this woman mm -hmm. in road rage yes. with a previous record, he has a bail set. Mm -hmm. What? So what is it now? So it's 250000 Sorry, you said that like 10 times, but... <laughs> Is he in jail right now? He is. He is. Thankfully, he has okay. not made bail because likely he doesn't have the 25000 to give to a bondsman. Okay. But if he did... He could just get out again. Mm-hmm. So what would you like to see changed <laughs> in, <laughs> in the bail reform arena? Yeah. So what we've been advocating for for a long time is a constitutional amendment that would basically say that a judge could deny bail in very high-risk cases, such as murder, such as aggravated sexual assault or aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And, you know, there's obviously stipulations if it's clear and convincing that nothing else will, you know, protect the public and those mm -hmm. types of things. But, um, yeah, I mean, judges' hands are basically tied. I mean, they just have to kind of set a bail and hope, you know, even if, even if they think that that person is a danger to society, they just have to set something. Man. Mm-hmm. I just... 
seems so like frustrating for the judges. Yeah, I think I would be frustrated if I was a judge and I knew that somebody was seriously dangerous and I I didn't know how else to detain them, you know? Yeah. So in that situation, I kind of want to go back to when he shot her. I think a lot of people would hear, or not a lot of people, I think there's some people out there who would hear this story and think, this is why guns should be illegal. This is mm. why we shouldn't have guns. If this guy, if guns were illegal, this woman would have never been shot. Mm-hmm. What do you say to an argument like that? I mean, from my understanding, he was already on the sex offender registry, so I'm I'm making an assumption, but I'm assuming he was a convicted felon, which would mean that he was already not allowed to have a gun. So really, I mean, to me, I think if a criminal wants a gun, if someone who's who wants to shoot and kill people mm-hmm. wants a gun, they're probably going to find that. Yeah. So Des- despite if we, you know, made everyone who was a law abiding citizen not have a gun. Yeah, exactly. So. It's like it doesn't matter if they can legally buy one or not. They are criminals and they will get their hands on criminal act like stuff that's involved in criminal activity. Mm-hmm. I would be interested, too, to know. um, Yeah, if they looked into like how he got that gun and if he was allowed to have it. But. I would be curious if there was something that could like track guns in the system of just like how how does it get into these people's hands well i don't know i mean you can 3d print a gun now so that's right i mean i forgot about that (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i think it would kind of be impossible to do something like that yeah sure so this is like a good time to transition from policy pulse to conservative council um and your so i just have a couple questions for you okay so in your experience um, what challenges do you face as a young woman in the wor- workforce? And then can you give any advice to other young women that are new in their careers facing similar sa- challenges? Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> it's like you're young, you're coming into a new scene. What are some things, like, if you can recall any that you're kind of like? Yeah. Um, I think, well, one thing that I definitely did when I was a little bit younger and newer in my career um I always tried to listen more than I spoke like because then whenever you speak people actually listen Mm, that's good (laughs) um so that would be some advice for sure um but at the same time I think that maybe I was too quiet a lot of the time and didn't have my voice heard so it's kind of like a balancing act of you know allowing yourself to be open and be yourself and say what you think is right. Um, and also not just trying to fill the air with yeah. noise. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I was like so scared when I first started my career because I was 21. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I was just so scared of people finding out my age and thinking that I was like super immature and all these things. So I think I overcompensated and just didn't let my personality show for like ever. Mm-hmm. And so it took me like two years to kind of get 
into like the groove of at least balancing like letting my personality show while still being professional so yeah I remember when I first started working here and met you like I heard that you were younger like 22 and I was like man she just comes off like so mature I would not have thought that she was like 21 22 years old like that doesn't make any sense and like you were so well respected here already it was like your opinion really mattered so I was like there's no (laughs) way she is that young and has like that much maturity and authority in this situation so So that's like great advice then to just like listen and use your voice strategically it sounds like yes strategically yes definitely so in this role at when you're young professional setting Mm -hmm. did you ever feel you know this like imposter syndrome set in i still feel it are you kidding oh my gosh yes like especially after last session i kind of had a a little bit of a rough session i did my best but it wasn't the most successful um and i really dealt with it after that because i was just like why do i have this job like why did they ever trust me with this job Mm -hmm. like i am in no way like able to perform to the level that they expect and um so yeah i deal with it a lot but i think uh honestly in those moments i have just been honest with my mentors and bosses and everyone and just been like i'm having a hard time i just feel like i'm not performing and you know i think that just being honest about how you're feeling in those moments is actually really helpful because most of the time they are not upset (laughs) they know that you're just trying your best yeah that's really good and that shows that you have good bosses too and i would think like percent yeah for any of you guys that are bosses it's like i think you want to cultivate an environment where especially those who are young feel comfortable coming to those in a leadership role and expressing like hey i feel like i'm failing here or i need more direction here Mm -hmm. and not feeling the pressure to just you know, be perfect and act like you have everything together. Because I think that's when a lot of mistakes get made. 100%. And honest to God, I would not be like as successful, I guess you could say, as I am today without the people here who have really invested in me. So I am eternally grateful. But I love it. Shout out to TPPS. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to (laughs) Andrew. Derek, <laughs> Brett, <laughs> I'm like going out on a laundry yeah, list. Yeah. <laughs> They've all been on different podcasts, y'all. So definitely be sure to listen yeah. to our, our friends over, uh, well, on the other side of the wall. Um, so what advice would you give to young women who are interested in doing what you do, like working in policy, but probably feel a little intimidated and aren't really sure where to start? I say just try it out. I mean, you never know until you at least just try and put yourself out there, you know, I mean, if you're younger and still in, like, the internship phase, I say try different things as an intern. Try policy, try development, try comms, like, Mm -hmm. see what you really enjoy. And then if you're trying to get into the space as, like, you've already done a career maybe, I mean, definitely dip your toes in the water maybe with, like, some lobbying first and then see if you, like, really want to, like – get into the policy or if like you'd rather just kind of work in like the political space maybe yeah I think for and especially because I think you hit the nail on the head with like the younger folks or it's Mm -hmm. like you need to get involved you need Mm -hmm. to intern you need to fellowship yeah all that good stuff Um, I think for those who are maybe like seeing a problem in their area and they want to be involved they want to make a change and they think policy might be the answer um, I think it'd be really um, productive for them to go and get involved like we have 
rallies, we have events here, we mm. have a bunch of things like you get in here, you meet the people, and then you just talk and you do your research. So start reading the articles. You could mm -hmm. reach out to the author, right? Like here we have a bunch of people who write. You could reach out to them, ask them more on the subject, and then say like, how can I help? Yeah. Maybe you can write an op-ed yourself from your perspective that can be showcased like, you know, in the companies or in like the nonprofits sphere and mm -hmm. like their website. And so you could write, you could like physically show up to different things. You could. Well, and we even have like um, Liberty Leadership Council, LLC. Yeah. And I think if I didn't work here at 21, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely would have loved LLC, which I still do. Mm -hmm. Like I love going to LLC events, but luckily I just get to be a member <laughs> since we yeah. work here. But I think that that's like a great resource as well. And I'm, I know that there's a ton of other things out there that's, you know, not just LLC. But. Yeah. So LLC is our Liberty Leadership Council and that's here at the foundation and it's for 18 to what, 39 year olds? Is it 39 or 35? 39? Unclear. Unclear. <laughs> Ask Either Olivia. way, we're in the Ask Olivia. <laughs> we're in the demographic, and yeah, you get to come. It's really cool. They have mm -hmm. chapters all over the state, and they um, get together, talk policy, have really fun events. They get really cool speakers, and you just get to be engaged in like your local area, and also just around like like-minded people mm -hmm. who you, who you can kind of like connect with and also learn from I think that everyone in LLC is always doing like really interesting stuff and mm -hmm. they don't all like work in policy or politics at all like a lot of them do totally different things but are just interested so yeah I think I'll end on this last question so you mentioned that criminal justice policy wasn't something that you thought you'd end up in originally mm -hmm. um, and I'm similar because I didn't think I'd end up in policy although I will say a lot of like most of people in my family are not surprised that I ended up in policy but you yeah. know I was a designer so I was like guys there's no way there's no way these two are gonna meld so we're similar in that regard so what is your best advice for girls who are also in a line of work that they did not anticipate being in well, I think especially in that kind of situation where you don't think that you're going to be in that line of work until you are, mm -hmm. I think the imposter syndrome is even, you know, worse because mm -hmm. you never felt prepared to do that because you weren't planning on it. So I think being confident that whoever has placed you there means they believe in you. Um, and then also just to honestly, like, dive into it and learn because... I have taken time to study law terms, like criminal law terms and uh, criminal procedure terms and um, just to kind of teach myself a little bit more, mm -hmm. um, but also just listen and ask questions and lean on the people who have been doing it a long time. Yeah, sure. I completely agree with all that. And I would just add like, I think you can kind of be excited. I think you can kind oh, of yeah. like high five yourself and be like, you know, this is not like a traditional place that I saw that I like foresaw myself being in, but it's really cool that I'm here now and I want to maximize my time. Like, I don't know if this is how you feel in your role, but for me, I'm like, man, I get to work in policy and design at the same time. Yeah. Like those were two fields I never saw converging. And I'm so happy right where the X marks the spot that I'm right there. And... I'll add one more thing. Yeah. I think that that's actually where a lot of really innovative things and ideas can come from mm -hmm. because, you know, when you're merging two things, there's a lot of innovation there. And I've 
started working on some like family diversion courts, mm-hmm. right? So like trying to keep families together, but in the criminal justice space rather than the civil space. That's really cool. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm really interested in clearance rates, like how how many cases law enforcement is closing and like nobody else is really interested in that. But for some reason, it's just sparked my interest because I'm like, if I had a family member who was a victim of crime, I would want their case to be solved. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I think that there can be actually a really cool niche and innovation aspect to kind of jumping into a space that you weren't necessarily trained. Yeah. No, innovation is like the perfect way to describe it. You become very innovative when you're in that spot. Yeah. Well, that was a perfect way to wrap. Nikki, (laughs) thank you so much for being on here and talking about with the Kardashians and bail reform (laughs) and... All of the things. All the things. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So for people who want to follow your work and get to know you better and what you do, where can they follow you? How can they get in touch with you? Okay. Or maybe not personally in touch. Like, depends what you want to do with criminal justice like, here's reform. my cell phone. No. <laughs> um, on Twitter, I am at Nikki Presley underscore. Um, everything else, I would just say follow at Right on Crime. That Those are my people, you know? Those are your people. And then if you want, you can email me, but I'll just probably tell you to call me. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Cool. Well, Nikki, thank you so much. And ladies, that is a wrap for our latest episode on The Sweet Tea. We hope to see you next Friday.